I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Welcome, everyone, to another exciting episode of Reconsider, where we don't do the thinking for you. Today, we have a special guest who put herself through an interesting experiment who we're going to be chatting with. Yeah, this is my friend, Stephanie. She is a very special guest indeed. And uh, when I visited her in San Francisco recently, she told me, like, oh, I decided I was going to do an experiment on myself and see what happened. And we got really excited and said, oh, gosh, we have to interview you right now, or at least as soon as you're done. Stephanie, welcome. And can you tell us a bit about your experiment? Yeah, absolutely. And thanks, both of you, for having me on the show. Um, So for the last about two months, I've been reading Fox News almost exclusively. And for a little bit of background, I grew up in a really liberal household in Connecticut and then moved to Boston, which is a really liberal city. And now I live in San Francisco, which is a really liberal city. And I found that I wasn't getting, well, really was only getting one kind of news. And so I decided to see what would happen to my opinion and my thinking if I just read right-wing news for a little while. So I, of course, admire the heck out of this. I think it it takes a ton of self-awareness and internal skepticism, open-mindedness, like analytical thinking about the world, and and just a ton of courage to say, all right, I'm going to admire myself in this thing that is just so different from the way I think about the world, it's sort of like, you know, you're in, you're part of one religion and you just spend months attending another one um, and starting to think like, huh, I wonder how they see the world. So I think it's really cool. I have not had the guts to do this yet, but for you guys as listeners, we decided that, Hey, let's see what we can do to spread some of what Stephanie learned out into the world. So that doesn't just stay in one place. So we've got, we've got a whole bunch of questions that we thought of, but I want to just start by asking you stephanie what's so what's been your like biggest most interesting takeaway from the last two months i think the biggest takeaway for me is that there are two narratives going on in the united states which i think on some level i knew but i don't think i really understood the degree to which those realities are different it's not it's not just different facts that are being presented and that definitely is a part of it but it's really that once you put all of those facts together over a long period of time, you just have different assumptions about the way our country and the way this world works. And so getting a little bit of an insight into what that looks like was really unbelievable. So I think it's going to impact the way I consume the liberal media that I usually consume as well in terms of being able to start understanding what those assumptions about 
my reality are as they're portrayed by the news that I consume. I think you use a really interesting word to describe part of what you experience here, which is different realities. And I've lived most of my life in pretty liberal cities too. And I spent the last two years in the Bay Area near San Francisco. I think it's very easy to come to identify yourself with one of these narratives. And that just kind of becomes your reality. But now that you've gone through this process, how would you describe these two realities that you now have a very different perspective on? What are your biggest takeaways? Well, so first of all, what I'll say is that I don't actually have a great handle on the liberal, what I'm calling realities, because I haven't actually taken a critical lens to it yet. And I'm actually looking forward to going back to reading the New York Times um, and various other news sources to really understand that. But I've, I haven't thought of it. So I don't really know how to answer that question. But in terms of the conservative stories, I think the thing that the new, what the news was focusing on while I was reading it are three things. One is the Black Lives Matter movement and the riots and things associated with that. The second is immigration and radical Islam and ISIS. And then the third is the election, obviously. And so I was able to get a little bit of a sense of those three storylines from these different perspectives. And I think the immigration one was the, was the first one it very much ties into the election story, which is that according to Fox News, we live in a really, really scary time. They have stats and anecdotes and stories and all sorts of things about how terrorism is going up in the United States. The vast majority of terrorist activity is done by foreign-born people, mostly refugees. And we can get into the challenges associated with those stats later, perhaps. But And then they have all of these anecdotes that are really scary about refugees coming into the United States and raping people and (laughs) crimes and all sorts of things like that. And then also, you know, the recent news about the threat of ISIS has been underrepresented in the intelligence agency and things like that. And then built on top of that is, is this Republican narrative and certainly Trump's narrative that this is really scary. This is really dangerous. There's a lot of horrible stuff going on in our country and in the rest of the world. And the Democrats are ignoring it. And so by creating this sort of this fear and this sense that this is a real threat, you're, it makes sense that you're living in this reality where we have to deal with this. Like, so that's, that's a, that's been a really powerful narrative that I think feeds into the appeal of Trump in this election cycle. And, do you have you in the last two months developed any sympathy for that narrative? Not just, oh, if you hear this narrative, I sympathize that you would think this way. But having heard it, does it ring true to some extent to you? So that's a so no, which is interesting. Like it's been interesting to watch my own reaction. I don't think my opinions have changed very much through this experiment. And I think that's because I don't trust Fox News. I really, I read their articles. So many of their articles are opinion pieces masquerading as news. And I recognize that. And I'm sure when I go back to the media, I usually consume, I'm going to realize that that's true there too. Um, So I'm not saying it's just Fox News. But because I don't trust the media, I have a very hard time having my opinion change because of it. But I think what that will enable me to do is perhaps read what I consider to be more reliable, less biased, right-wing news 
and perhaps change my opinion then, but I haven't gotten there yet. Do you think that both sides have a different lens in which they interpret risk? Because something that you mentioned that's certainly on my mind recently is this risk from terrorism and how it's a scary place. Really, the statistics say that we should not be worried about terrorism. We should be worried about heart disease and cancer and chronic lower respiratory disease. They kill like thousands of times more people every year. And do you think that- bees. Bees kill more people too. Bees and lightning kill more people than we, we just wrote a little article on this. So it's kind of present on our mind. Do you think that the different narrative influences how people interpret risk in their daily lives? Uh, so yes, I, I absolutely do because humans are really bad at judging risk. We, we just don't have a great innate capability, right? We, we, are scared of going in airplanes when really getting in a car is a much more dangerous thing to do. So we're just not good at it. And so the way we take our cues is based on the stories that we hear. And if the stories that you're hearing in the news media, and in Fox News, this is certainly the case. I don't know about other news sources, but um, you hear all these stories of these really scary terrorist things that are going on over and over and over again, day in and day out. And so you're going to assume that that risk is real. Um, you know, you hear statistics that over the course of the last, I don't remember, I should remember, I don't know if it was a year or five years, that there have been 580 convicted terrorist attacks. And that seems like maybe a big number. But is it really? You know, are they really terrorist attacks? Or is it just one person saying that they're going to kill someone in the name of Islam? People say they're going to do all sorts of crazy things in the names of all sorts of things, but sometimes it counts as a terrorist attack and sometimes it doesn't. So so I think what you are told by your news source impacts very greatly what you think is is scary. We in the liberal news media think guns are scary, right? We get all of these stories about this little boy who was killed by a gun that he was playing with in his family's house. And you know, we hear those stories over and over again. And that fuels our opinion about how dangerous guns are. So it's it's the same on both sides. We just pick our different issues to tell anecdotes about. Yeah, and that gives me a follow-up thought. Now, you may not be positioned to answer this specifically because you're not reading left-wing media right now, but I don't know how politically chatty some of your friends are. Is there stuff that your more left-wing friends are talking about that seems really important and salient to them that you think, ooh, this seems to be news for this group and seems to be a concern of this group that just isn't getting mentioned. Now, it sounds like gun deaths might be one of those things, but what stuff What stuff would you expect to hear from a kind of left-wing bubble that you're not, that's being omitted from the right-wing news that you're reading? There are two things that have come up a lot. One is is the is the Black Lives Matter movement piece of things. And then the second is anything relevant that Hillary is saying that is not about scandal. I'll start with Hillary. And I think I'm saying this accurately and I, I can't believe it's true, but I have not read a single piece of news in Fox on Fox News that is not about that mentions Hillary that is not about some sort of scandal or is not a random quote in the midst of an article that's really about Trump. So I've never read a single article that's about the beliefs or policy opinions or positions that Hillary takes, not a single one on Fox News. So that's just insane to me. 
because of course you're going to hate Hillary if the only thing you ever read is that she's taking money from so-and-so and that she messed up Libya and that she had her own email server and compromised security, right? And regardless of whether these things are true or not, this is literally the only news they get. And then if you're quoting Hillary in some way, it's going to be an article quoting Trump, quoting Trump, quoting Trump. Hillary's response to that in one paragraph, five more paragraphs about Trump, one more paragraph about Hillary, and then a few more paragraphs about Trump that rebut the thing that Hillary said. That's not an exaggeration. <laughs> and so in reading this, I'll, I'll prime some of our listeners by saying, hey, I wonder how much you know about Trump's specific policies. You know, if you think about, oh, on education, on the environment, on uh, economic policy, on, you know, how he wants to manage the Fed, how he wants to manage government spending, stuff like that. So as you guys are thinking about that, listeners, my question for you, Stephanie, is have you learned anything about how the Trump campaign is articulating their policy positions and what they want to do if he's president? Yes. And I will also say that I that what I just accused Fox News of being guilty of with Hillary, most other news sources are guilty of with Trump. I had never read anything substantive about Trump until I started reading Fox News. What's interesting is that Fox News tends to quote him and then not give a lot of like context and backstory. So I really only know things that Trump himself has said, but it includes really the, the rationale behind why he wants to ban Muslims or, or, have um, regulations around bringing refugees into the country, which is that, you know, we can't, terrorism is this threat, right? All these numbers that I shared before and all of these anecdotes that I shared before, assuming you believe that's true, if refugees are going to come into this country, we have no way of knowing that uh, who is a terrorist and who isn't. And therefore, it makes sense for us to have these policies. We should think about it like we're in a war because we are. Um, and so that's that's one piece of it. And that's most of Trump's narrative that I've focused on. I don't have a lot of thoughts on the rest of his policies that I can think of off the top of my head right now. But if you ask me specific questions, I might remember. So uh, I know one of Trump's big things is obviously making America great again. He spends a good fraction of his time, you know, he'll go to like a dying coal town or you know, a town that has a lot of derelict buildings, some very good visual stuff. And I'll say, hey, look, this is a problem. I'm going to bring jobs back. You know, I want to get America working again, stuff like that. Has Have you seen any any of those economic plans articulated in a salient way? Mm, I don't remember. I don't think so. But that doesn't mean they weren't there. There's also the delta between how a candidate represents his or her ideas publicly and for example, what's on their webpage, right? A lot of people criticize Trump in particular for not being the most articulate when it comes to policy positions. But you go on his website, there are actual policy prescriptions and probably in a lot more detail written by some sort of aide de camp that, you know, in a depth that he wouldn't necessarily have to communicate in a stump speech or something like that. And I think that's true on both sides of the aisle. It just depends how articulate maybe isn't even the right word how communicative a particular candidate is of his or her policies. Right. So I'm just curious, did you 
only listen to Fox News or were there a handful of right-leaning media outlets that you went to over the course of the last two months? I really just focused on Fox News. I tried to read some more um, right-wing media and blogs like the Weekly Standard and Unqualified Reservations, but I, I found that it was a little bit too deep of a rabbit hole for me to want to go down. I initially thought I wanted to because I think about all the media you consume, right? You consume the the mainstream news, which is Fox News or the New York Times or, or CNN. But then you also read all the things that show up on your news. I mean, I do. I read all the things that show up on my news feed that all my friends are posting. And most of those are like deep liberal things that are truly opinion pieces and pretty inflammatory and I realize that a lot of the opinions that I have come from reading that secondary source of news and not just your standard mainstream news media. Um, so my initial intention was to to read more of that, but I found it a little too depressing. Um, so I didn't. I mean, that's fair. Do, do you find now that when you're interacting with either your politically leaning friends or non-political friends, either in person or maybe even more so on Facebook and in social media circles where, you know, this echo chamber has kind of developed around us. Do do your alarm sounds go off in your head more frequently when you hear something from a friend that maybe previously you would have just taken at face value? Absolutely. I think one of the biggest values of this experiment for me moving forwards is an ability to spot media bias in a way I didn't before, because before I was me- reading media that I agreed with. And therefore, it was a lot more difficult for me to identify things that didn't make sense, were logical fallacies. And so spending two months reading news media I disagree with encouraged me to really pick apart why I was disagreeing with something or what they were doing wrong. You know, the order of the quotes they were doing, they're not backing up the quotes, treating quotes like facts, um, calling things news when really they were opinion pieces, all of these subtle things. And I noticed them because I disagreed, but now that I have this pattern recognition that I've developed, I re- I, I've started to be able to bring it back to the other media that I read. And I have a lot lower tolerance for reading left-wing BS than I did before. (laughs) So engaging with challenging ideas has made you a more critical consumer of news. Yes. That's awesome. Yes. Yeah, that's absolutely brilliant. It's what, Xander, that's that's external skepticism, right? That is external skepticism. Yeah. For you guys, listeners, I will attach to the post for this show a link to Xander's article about internal and external skepticism so you can read a little bit more about the mechanism. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to monday.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. 
Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. This, this, I was grinning ear to ear as Stephanie said this because it sounds like <laughs> such, well, it's just such a powerful thing. And it's so related to, or it's so salient uh, because it, if anyone's ever read Thinking Fast and Slow, you'll know about type one and type two brain function. And type one brain function is the one that makes a quick decision and then backs it up later. Um, and type two is the more, the more analytical and rigorous and critical part. And we all, we all have both and we'll use one in different times. And this is a, this is just a, such a perfect example of training type two to engage in certain times when otherwise it's been, it's been sort of trained to turn off. So I think, I think that's awesome. And hopefully something that you guys can all step away with. And one of the things I'm, I've been thinking about is, you know, maybe I, maybe I someday just read all Fox News or all Huffington Post or something like that, but um, to see what it'll do to me. But now that you're arming yourself with this, you know, sort of relative to relative to the rest of us, this this superpower, this cognitive superpower <laughs> that you now have, which I and I can't think of another way to describe it because I think it's it's I think it's incredible. So you're going to be reading news differently. What do you expect to change in your life? Or is it just, you know, is it all, is it all like, who knows? We'll see what happens. It's definitely partly who knows. We'll see what happens. But I expect that the other piece of it is that I will, from moving forwards, be able to easily consume lots of different media from different perspectives in context, there's actually two things. So that's the first. And what I mean by that, right, is think about when you first started reading news, when you were like, I don't know, 11 or 12, and you had your first homework assignment to read a news article, and how intimidating it was. And it wasn't just because of the language, it was because you were reading a story, and you had no context, and you didn't know what any of it meant. And so you had to read enough news in order to get enough context so that you could read a random article and know where it fell in that context. I now have the right wing context, which means I can context switch. So I could read my normal news media, read something that seems a little bit fishy because of these bi journalistic biases that I can now uh, identify and then say, okay, I'm going to go to Fox News and read what they're saying about this. And because I have the context, the historical context for Fox News for these issues, it's a lot easier for me to see what the bigger picture is. So that's the first thing. The second thing is that one of my challenges personally for engaging with current events is that I found the political climate to be so frustrating and my inability to understand. I've, I've wanted to go learn some facts and really understand what's going on with trade deals or with the economy or with all sorts of things like that. But everything has a sheen of politics and journalistic bias over it. Um, and I really, I was so intimidated by trying to learn these facts because I didn't know what, what their motivations were behind anything that I was reading. So it was hard to get a, a completely full picture. And so part of what this experiment has allowed me to do is understand what the political narratives are that are pulling at our country's, the stories that we tell about ourselves and about what's going on here. And it makes me feel like, and I'm not sure if this is true, but I'm hoping it is that now when I go and try to learn some facts about an issue, I can understand what the 
what the biases are that are acting sort of on top of those things, the lens that we look at these facts through. And I'm hoping that it will make it easier for me to think about just the facts because I already know what the political commentary is about those issues. I don't know if that makes sense. It makes total sense. I have to imagine, though, that it becomes even more challenging when you go to seek these facts, these pieces of information from sources that are invariably biased, but present themselves as objective and unbiased sources of news. Yes, I'm sure it will be. This is my next adventure. I'll let you know how it goes. Eric, real quick, I I loved a line that Stephanie just used, context switch. I think that's something that, that, that's just just a phrase that we have to pick up. I mean, (laughs) if you ever find yourself challenging, just, all right, time for a context switch. That's great. Awesome. Yeah, I really like it. So I'm going to, I have a, I've been curious about another question and it's switching things up a bit, but I'm wondering how the last two months has impacted like your state of mind and your social life. Um, I imagine that this could be, I imagine that this may not be necessarily easy. Um, and I don't know, like, as you're reading it, as you're reading stuff, are you having kind of emotional reactions about the news itself, about the state of the country? As you talk with friends, are you having, you know, a harder time relating to them? Are you, are you like grinding your teeth a little bit when they're like, blah, it's certainly true. And you may not think so. Are they, you know, are they uh, reacting to what you're doing in a certain way? So I'm, I'm curious about your personal experience here. That's great. So my state of mind, let's start with that. Um, I started off really excited and enthusiastic. People always tell me that this sounds like a horrible and terrible and difficult thing to do. And wow, good on you for doing a difficult thing. But I viewed it as a sociology experiment. And because of that, it was fun, right? It was fascinating. I got to learn all sorts of new things. It was like a puzzle, right? Like there are all these people, maybe half the people in this country, probably somewhat less, who believe all of these things that I think are insane, but they're not dumb. And so if they're not dumb and they believe these things that I think are insane, then why? Right. And so it was this puzzle. And so I really enjoyed that. And and for a while, it was actually a little bit comforting to know that there's a reason why people believe these things that I think are nuts, because it's it's much nicer to believe that your fellow humans, your fellow citizens of this country are rational human beings who think about things in a at least somewhat reasonable way. So that was comforting. But then I start getting then I started getting much more negative, right? Because it's the story that the that the right wing tells is a very negative and very scary and pessimistic story. And so I was reading all of these negative and pessimistic things and then I started feeling like negative and pessimistic and scared that Hillary wouldn't win the election. So there we go. That's my there are my politics right there, but I guess we knew that already. <laughs> yeah, we did. Um, <laughs> um and so I, that's when I decided to stop going down the rabbit hole of the Weekly Standard and, and those, other, those other even further right uh, news sources because it just, it made me feel like crap. So, uh, so that was interesting. That was an interesting switch. In terms of conversations with other people, it's been great. Uh, the conversation, Eric, that I had with you that resulted in me being here, sort of explaining what the, the right wing perspective is on these issues and explaining why people are interested in Trump fascinates everybody. And, and so I get to tell them about this or, or people will start making an offhand comment and I'll be like about how stupid people are or about how unreasonable it is that people believe this. 
And I'll say, you know, hold on a second. Like, let's talk about why they believe that. Like, I've been doing this thing and here's why they believe it. And people are curious about that and uh, listen to it, which is actually nice to know that people don't just dismiss it out of hand. You know, I'm not trying to change people's minds, just trying to help people see what the dialogue really is here in this country right now. We need more people like you. (laughs) Yeah. So after, I I mean, you said you experienced this switch where you wanted, it was very comforting for you at first to recognize that, you know, people aren't crazy and that other Americans are intelligent, but there's this other narrative exists, but then you became more negative and that was the switch. And do you feel that after having gone through sort of this negative or positive followed by a negative, that's going to make it more easy for you to engage with people with maybe potentially conflicting opinions or will that make it? more difficult now that you know that there can be completely reasonable people out there that can believe things that, you know, you think might be kind of crazy. I think it's going to be easier to have that conversation because I know where they're coming from now. And I, I really believe that the best way usually to change someone's mind is to meet them where they are. Right. It's not, if you just are talking at each other about your opinions, you're talking past each other. And so now that I understand what their version of reality in the United States is, I can have a conversation at that level. And I don't mean a higher or lower level. I'm not, there's no value judgment there. Um, Whereas before I would have been having that conversation from my liberal reality view of what the United States is going through right now. And that would have not been effective at all, I assume. I have a I have a different follow up question, and it was when you were talking about your, you, when your mood shifted to negative, and you had said that uh, the the right wing is reporting some very negative, gloomy stuff. Have you have you had the impression that the left wing reports more positive stuff, or is it a different kind of gloomy or something else altogether? An excellent question. So I think I'm going to go back and and revise what I said, and that what made me sad about my about what I was reading and it isn't just that it was gloomy stuff it's stuff that makes me like I have a quote I think right so for example there was this article about a university in Houston where someone was saying that you know all lives matter and like black you know basically anti-black lives matter movement stuff and there was this news article that was an opinion piece masquerading as not an opinion piece where they called diversity training ideological conversion therapy, that Black Lives Matter is, um, is, operates under the false premise that the police are hunting down Black men, that like talking about this race thing is a way to avoid responsibility, right? So it's like this whole, the narratives like that, that go against so much of the, the grain of what I believe in terms of caring about all humans in this country and not demonizing people's issues or not articulating this very well, but it's, you know, all of the, those things like little by little started wearing down at me. Um, so um, what was your question? And maybe you can answer it. With that oh part. yeah. My question was, do you think that the, that the left-wing media that you've read in the past presents a brighter, brighter version of the state of the United States, a similarly gloomy vision or something different? I don't know. And I will, as I read my 
regular liberal news media, I will have a better perspective on that, probably. Um, I think I was certainly influenced by the Democratic National Convention and the Republican National Convention. The, the dialogue between those two was fascinating, right? The Democratic Party is the party of hope. And the Republican Party is the party of fear versus the Republican Party is the party of realism. The Democratic Party is the party of living in la-la land, right? Those were the two interpretations of the Democratic versus the Republican National Conventions. But, and that's interesting, right? Like if you buy the Democratic version of that, Democrats the party of hope and Republicans are the party of fear, that's the narrative that the democratic side of things is trying to push right now. And I, I've certainly been influenced by that in some way. Right. So I don't really trust my own judgment right now. Ooh, that's interesting. And, and powerful, I think, cause it's, man, it's not trusting yourself at least to a degree has to be the first step towards learning something new, right. And seeking out new information, challenging your own perspective. But it's really hard to do because, I mean, that's where so much of our confidence and our opinions come from. And it kind of comes back to this idea of, we were talking about external skepticism. I think internal skepticism is being able to question yourself in a way that like com- doesn't completely deflate your ego so that you've walked away from this experience. Being able to do that in a very confident way, I think is a, a super powerful takeaway. Well, I think I'll go back to what I said before. What we hear and how often we hear it affects our opinions. We are not good at judging risk. We are not good at judging many things, right? If you hear something over and over again, there have been studies done, right? If you hear something over and over again enough, you're going to start believing it's true, even if you haven't heard the facts to back up whether that's true or not. And this has made that very, very apparent to myself that that's true, that I fall victim to that. We all fall victim to that. And I think recognizing the ways in which you fall victim to that enable you to fall victim to that less often. Eric, isn't it like a Goebbels quote, something about repeating a lie often enough becomes a truth? Something like that. And it may yeah. not have been Goebbels, but now that I've heard it enough, I'm convinced it's him and it's true. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Just went meta. Whoa. <laughs> How's this? So walking away from your two months reading Fox News, what's the very first media outlet you're going to go to as a a refresher back to your normal sources? It's like when you've been overseas and you haven't had a hamburger in too long. Yes, hamburger. It's indulgent, but I do love it. So full disclosure, it's not that I haven't been reading anything else except Fox News. Like when I see something on Fox News and I'm like, oh, that sounds real fishy. I'll quickly take a peek somewhere else and see what they're saying. Um, And I also still read my Facebook news feed. I can't help it. But I think through the the brief checking that I've done, and I haven't done a deep dive into this, I think the BBC is my favorite news media right now because they, I started reading some New York times articles for the first time in a long time. And they do a lot of the same journalistic bias stuff that Fox news does. I don't know if it's as bad. I'm not saying that. I haven't read enough of it to really have an opinion. But um, but the BBC does a better job at not doing these subtle digs at things uh, that betray their underlying opinions. So BBC. Awesome. Well, before we uh, close out the episode, Stephanie, first off, thanks so much for being with us. I think this has been a very enlightening way to approach how we consume information. 
Do you have anything that you just like to add or wrap up with in terms of your experience or what you hope to do now? Anything that we haven't touched on or mentioned? So to you, dear listeners, do this, try it, do it. I did it for two months. That was a long time. I intended to do it for two weeks, do it for two weeks. It's fascinating and valuable. And if you are reading Fox news, try reading liberal news media for two weeks. You'll learn a lot. It's uh, it will help you consume your own media better. What good liberal news media would you recommend for our conservative listeners? Depends on how deep the rabbit hole you want to go. Um, I mean, I think New York Times <laughs> is a pretty good starting point. Um, I think, I'm, I don't know. Actually, I'm making stuff up. So I don't actually have any recommendations because I have read the BBC for years. So I don't, I don't know. What I'll do is I'll post a link to a few studies that some academics did on bias in news media. Uh, and it's it's so hard to pin down exactly because someone has to be arbiter of what's reality <laughs> right in the end of the day but there are some there are some like there are some ways to measure this that limit the amount of bias that the journalist can put into it and i'll i'll put that down in the post associated with this podcast so that people can take a look and see ooh you know what do i want to read and i'm sure that Everyone's going to read it and say, what? No, that, that's my favorite one. It's clearly not biased. And this is total BS. But, you know, just be ready for that reaction. You're likely to have it. And even if you don't think it's biased, do the Stephanie experiment. Because if you're as clever as Stephanie, which you're probably not, because <laughs> trust me, I know Stephanie. She's very smart. Trust me, her brain is huge. And <laughs> it's huge. Uh, but if you're, if you go into this with the right open mind in the way that Stephanie did, I think that there's a whole lot that you can learn from it. And certainly I think it is the case that uh, we need more heroes like Stephanie. As I've been listening to her, I've been imagining, you know, what if 10%, which is, you know, an absurdly high number, but what if 10% of the country did this experiment and started to go, huh? And started didn't have to change their minds, didn't have to say, I'm voting for someone different. But the next time they saw something on their Facebook feed or that they read in their favorite online or print paper, they had that external skepticism to say, hmm, that sounds a lot like an opinion masquerading as a fact. I think the power of this spreading out beyond Stephanie is immense. So I'm very excited for it. And I would love if any of you guys listening decide to do this please 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 write us and let us know we'd love to hear from you get some more stories get some more not data but get some more information about how this works for different people so if you decide to take this on which i highly recommend i've got a few thoughts for myself on what i'm gonna do let us know you can tweet us at reconsider pod facebook same place reconsider pod or we can go to reconsidermedia.com we have a contact page you'll be able to get it in touch with us that way Guys, so, so much fun. Oh yeah, we loved it. Thank you for being on. And remember always, don't let the pundits do the thinking for you. Pause and reconsider. This is Xander signing off. Stephanie, do you want to sign off? I don't know. How does this work? This is Stephanie signing off. That's it. Do I say anything else? Anything you want. 
Eric and Xander, it was great to be on the show. Uh, it was a lot of fun to talk about this experiment and think through it more formally. Uh, this is Stephanie signing off. And this is Eric signing off. Catch you guys later. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.